What is happening, everyone? Welcome to episode 173 of your favorite podcast, the Gordon Podcast. I'm Justin Maley, alongside my co-host Brandon Long. And today, we're going to talk to you about intent-based cardio. This is a really good one. Make sure I have a new password. I talk about this a lot, but I have not dedicated an entire podcast to this. So I'm really excited to do a deep dive on it. As always, Gordon Podcast brought to you by Revive. So much sponsored by Raw. So much use come to Haley at checkout. Please leave us a five-star rating and review to be entered into the weekly $100 Amazon gift card giveaway. Episode 173. I'll see you inside. You guys, you guys, you guys, welcome back. My energy is very low today. If you hear it in my voice, can you can you tell? It just sounds like you've been screaming for like a weekend. Yeah, so every like every um year since I moved to Texas. Um, I have like when allergy season starts, I have this thing where like all, all throughout the day, honestly, I'm fine. But then like when I go to bed, um, and I sleep, like, like I snore and I sleep, I think my mouth's open a, a majority of the time. I'll wake up during the night and just have this absurd coughing spell that lasts for like minutes, like, like, like five, six, seven minutes at a time. And, like, it sounds like I'm fucking sick, right? But I'm honestly great. Like, my throat doesn't even hurt. But it's just, like, obviously it's scratched up or roughed up or something. I don't know. If there's anyone who knows what the fuck's going on, like, I know there's a lot of medical professionals listening to this podcast. Or there's just really intelligent people listening to the podcast, too. If you guys know anything that could help, like, I know, like, the hot tea, I know that helps. Like, the local organic honey, I do that. Like, like things I like, I, I, I obviously am cool on. I honestly try to stay away from allergy medicines this deep in prep. Um, I try to stay away from all medications this deep in prep just because there is a digestive effect. There is a slight cytokine effect. You know, I just, like, I'm 20... Um, four. Four days out. Yeah, 24 days out. I feel 24 days out. I'm not a medical professional, but... I do have a suggestion. What's your suggestion? If we could somehow get you to sleep with your mouth closed. I know, that'd help. That would probably help. Like a wire it. Not wire it. <laughs> just need to be able to breathe through your nose. So like breathing strips. I've never tried breathing strips, but mm-hmm. I wonder if they work. Because clearly like opening your mouth is your body's response, right? To like not getting enough oxygen mm-hmm. through your nose. Right. Like as a large human, and especially in prep when like right now my metabolism's cranking. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of oxygen that's needed. Mm-hmm. So I've noticed like the bigger I get, the, the more like lean body mass I get, not necessarily scale weight. The more lean body mass I get, the more this happens. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, it's not fun to sound like a fucking smoker. And then like in the morning, my voice takes a while to warm up. It does. It takes like two hours to warm and up. And some water. And some water and mm-hmm. some coffee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it sucks. It's not Bigger fun. nose. I need a big bigger nose. Bigger nose. Yeah. No, you got that. Yeah, I got it's a big. pretty big nose. I got to say, I got a pretty big nose. <laughs> Before I was big at all, like I had a really, like I still kind of have a skinny face, but it's like made up by like my traps and delts and stuff. <laughs> But like before I had any size at all, my ears and nose looked disproportionately large because of how fucking tiny like I was. The rest of your body. Yeah. But I also like I always had broad shoulders, uh-huh. but then there was nothing on the shoulders, nothing on the chest, nothing on the traps. It was just like. They were just out there. They were just nothing. out there for no fucking reason. And it made me look even smaller than I already fucking was. I want to see the beard gone. Dude, you're never going to see the beard gone. I want to see. You're never going to see the beard gone. There's no dollar amount. Oh, absolutely not. You don't think so? Absolutely not. Zero dollars. Zero. 
A, bill, a billion bucks, we can talk. All right, 500 million, we can talk. But honestly, straight up, you come at me with 100 million for the beard to go, no. I'm that ugly without the beard. <laughs> you would have no friends? I, I would have no friends. <laughs> like, it, it's going to be not life-changing money. It's going to be generational-changing money. All right, I hear you. Like, for, for the next elements of my like i need my whole family to be put on mm-hmm. like 100 million does do that because i got expensive taste <laughs> i need things <laughs> now, i'm trying to put it in like a, the same perception for me that'd be my hair your hair like yeah, to go if bald. i was bald yeah yeah you need to yeah be your hair is a big part of you oh yeah it, like completes the johnny Ab- bravo absolutely look. yeah without it i'm nothing yeah yeah your hair is really good you mm-hmm. have good hair do you use product no so you have straight hair, but it sits like that. Yeah, I don't do anything to it. Wow, that is kind of amazing. Mm-hmm. That is kind of amazing. It is cool. Yeah, that's it's convenient. Cool. It's actually. very because you just throw it back in the morning. No, I don't do anything to it. You just wake up mm-hmm. and you go. I at least throw mine back. Yeah, I don't touch but it. I wake up and I'm like, a fucking well, if it's like face. fucking in my face like this, I'll just like yeah. get it. But like, I can put it to any, like anywhere I want it if I wanted to. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. The key is I'm gonna I wouldn't be, get rid of that for under five hundred million. Either. I'm gonna tell everybody the secret right now. Yeah, the secret to having great hair and never having to do it. No yeah. product. Don't wash it. Yeah, I told you before. Don't wash don't it. Don't wash it. I wash it maybe once a week. Maybe yeah, once every ten days. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of my secret to great skin. Someone asked me why I have great skin. <laughs> like when I shower, like like I shower what three times a week? Two two, two or three times a week. Whenever I start stinking a little bit. It's like if you shower every day and you use body washes and soaps and stuff every single day, then your skin's probably going to have a tough time maintaining homeostasis, right? Like having the the correct amount of oils. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, because we're just washing them away, Mm -hmm. or you start scrubbing. We scrub them away, and like I don't know if there's any actual fucking science behind it. I'm an internal. You feel like you're being scientist. I'm not. No, I don't smell. You don't think you smell sometimes? Right now I smell. <laughs> but at 24 days out, my energy, if my energy goes from showering, it's taken away from something else. And I have a lot of emails that need responded to. <laughs> so if I'm going to be in the shower right now, and I know that I have a lot of emails to respond to, I'm going to be so mad at myself. Like, I'm going to have, I'm going to have issues with myself. Do you think later in prep, though, like when you get like, wake up really fucking tired, like a shower will like help you wake up? Could. It could. It could. This not even a shower. I wouldn't even call it a shower unless you use soap. Just rinse off. Just get in there and just like, just, just get now, wet. I do love a nice little rinse. Mm-hmm. The issue is with a nice little rinse for me, it turns into this twenty minute fest <laughs> of just letting water hit me and having my manifestation thoughts and stuff like that. Yep. And then all of a sudden, it's like now my prep clients had to wait twenty minutes longer for a response, and that you know what gives me anxiety? What gives? I wake up every morning around eight a.m. And that's when I start my check-in process. If there's a prep client that's waiting on me at 8 a.m., that gives me such bad anxiety. And I know they don't care. It's not a them thing. It's a me thing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I, I try to like not, but man, right now I wake up and I'm so scatterbrained that it's like a shower really might help me kind of align things. No, a rinse. You know, a rinse, not a shower. Yeah, a go. rinse. Go ahead Just hot water. Your 20-minute fest. They're in my 20-minute fest. <laughs> Sounds like I'm doing sexual things. I don't there. want to get into it. Promise I'm not at 24 <laughs> days out. <laughs> Oh man, anything sexual stuff could come by right now. I'm scraping the bottom of the barrel and nothing's coming out. <laughs> How much would you pay for it? Oh man, now we have a dollar amount we can talk about. Ten bucks. <laughs> I paid a thousand bucks for a really solid stiffy right now. <laughs> 
Oh my God. We need to talk about cardio. Jesus Christ. And tip based cardio. This is uh, someone IAG DM'd me today. Um, I tried going back and looking for it and I couldn't find Instagram. It's doing something weird. Everyone's messages are gone. I don't have any messages with anybody anymore. Um, like, like Matt and I were just messaging before this and Matt and I message rather often and there was no messages. Mm-hmm. There was no message history anywhere. I have it with like a lot of people I commonly talk to. It's just like all gone. That was a huge deal. But I went back trying to look for the person who messaged me and I think I don't, I have no clue what's happening, but I think it's gone. So whoever messaged me this, thank you for the podcast idea. I've talked about this in a few podcasts, but I haven't done my own podcast on it. So I want to talk about why I do intent-based cardio. It's something you guys see me talk about with my clients often. It's commonly not something like four days a week of 25 minutes low intensity steady state. Like that's not how I program. Or if I do program like that, I truly actually want you going low intensity steady state. I don't care about you like... This isn't necessarily in a fat loss phase, more so maybe a maintenance phase, a health phase, or a building phase, where I don't need you going balls to the wall. But in any sort of fat loss phase, recomp phase, where we're really pushing the physique card, um, I'm going to do intent-based cardio, okay? Um, So what that looks like is I give my clients a calorie goal or a distance goal, and I have them go as hard as they possibly can until they achieve that goal. We log the time that it took to achieve that goal. We log, you know, the resistance, the level, the, you know, everything that you did that day. And over time, we progress that goal. We drop time off that it takes to achieve. We add resistance or incline or whatever and and hit, you know, a a similar um, time marker. But obviously it's going to be harder because you're going to accomplish more or it's going to be harder to achieve because you added resistance, incline, whatever. Intent-based cardio is truly what it says. It's just adding intent to cardio. And I have a lot of anecdote. I would say I believe, but there's a ton of anecdote. And, you know, this is what Matt does with his clients as well. There's a lot of anecdote that supports, yeah, this, you know, you're going to lose more fat during this than, you know, just normal four times, 20 minutes, whatever. Yeah, exactly. We're going to understand first and foremost, number one rule of physiology. Justin's number one rule of physiology. The body responds to the adaptation forced upon it. What you make the body do, it responds to. Because the body has one primary goal. It's to maintain homeostasis. This is where the body is its most comfortable at. Okay? So, what happens in a fat loss phase? We keep protein really high to support muscle protein synthesizing, to support nitrogen levels, to support having amino acids in the bloodstream more often than not. We pull, we manipulate fats and carbohydrates as needed, but still keep performance in the gym at the forefront of our dieting. And we continue to beat the logbook. We bring in cardio. We attack the cardio really hard. It's you're sending a signal to your body that, hey, I'm not feeding enough to keep this same weight, body mass right now. But I'm still training so hard that I have to keep all of this muscle because. Right now, I'm asking myself to continue performing with heavier loads than what I am currently comfortable doing. So we need to find somewhere to pull energy from because I don't have enough energy coming in to support the energy balance that I currently need. 
Well, it's likely not going to come from amino acids because you're forcing so much muscle protein synthesizing to occur with your high protein intake. You're forcing your muscle cells to work in overdrive, your connective tissue to work in overdrive. This is forcing the muscle to stick around. Okay, so where's that energy going to come from? It's going to come from stored fatty acids. It's going to come from stored glycogen. All right? We're just forcing simple adaptation. It's the same thing in a building phase. In a building phase, you pull back the output. You increase the intake. Um, you push that training really, really, really far. Scale's going to go. This is where we're going to you know, build the most muscle. Right? It's a constant evolution of just adapting. Your body is constantly adapting. So, intent-based cardio. How do we know intent-based cardio is really good? Well, we have a few other anecdotes outside of this high-level bodybuilding. Look at a marathon runner versus a sprinter. A marathon runner's training, very similar to how bodybuilders, you know, get on and they just do an hour of senseless cardio a day, right? That's kind of what marathon runners do. And they look the way they look because their body has adapted over time. Hey, I don't need much muscle. I just need to have my, I need to have predominantly slow twitch fibers to be able to, you know, repeatedly, um, you know, complete this movement pattern. I need to become really good with how I handle my energy. So, um, you know, it's, 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 it's able to essentially manipulate the way that, that, that the body utilizes this energy to fuel prolonged, not to fuel explosiveness. Right. And I need to be as light as possible, but have enough muscle in order to complete what the body's asking of me, which is an hour, hour and a half, Two hours of runtime, or you know, if you're actually doing a marathon, it's like, I mean, how long is a marathon? Like, a couple, three hours, four hours. Depends. It's gonna be really long. So, or a sprinter, a hundred meter dash guy. Look up and, and girls, look up hundred meter dash runners. Which one is closer to bodybuilding? The sprinter. Or I mean, <laughs> the sprinter's yeah. so much closer to bodybuilding. Mm -hmm. Like, what are they doing? Mm -hmm. They're looking at maximal bursts in a shorter amount of time mm -hmm. frame. And that is forcing the body to keep muscle around, to, to grow muscle in many cases, and to perform and adapt, you know, in a manner to support sprinting. Then rest That's, and repeat. Yeah, rest and repeat. That's just how we do bodybuilding, mm -hmm. right? Now you might start thinking, well, why wouldn't we do high-intensity interval training? I'm going to get to that here at the end of this. Look at a running back versus an NBA center. An NBA center, they're not sprinting around everywhere. Like they're kind of jogging end to end. Sometimes they sprint during the game, of course. They're jogging end to end. They're taking big steps to go set a screen. They're rebounding. You know, their radius is right around that the, the basket, right? Whereas a running back in the NFL, you got to block, you got to catch, you got to run routes, you got to sprint here, you got to sprint there, you got to you know do all these things, you got to grind out extra yards, right? Again, which one looks closer to a bodybuilder? Mm -hmm. It's obviously the running back. Mm -hmm. So we have a lot of real-world anecdote that supports that doing this cardio with intent and going as hard as you can to achieve a goal is a really good route to take as a bodybuilder. I believe in doing your cardio like an athlete. You're also going to have a greater overall caloric burn. You know, after you're done doing cardio, your body just doesn't stop burning calories there. There's post-exercise energy consumption that occurs. And it occurs much more after cardio than it does a, a weight training session, right? You're going to have a greater caloric burn in a much smaller amount of time, or you can even achieve the same amount of caloric burn in a much great, a smaller amount of time. So like right now, my cardio is at four times 30 minutes. I'm 24 days out. I'm getting pretty fucking peeled. I'm four times 30 minutes. That's the highest it's been this entire prep. 
Why? Because I go so fucking hard during that cardio that it is forcing an adaptation to occur, right? So get out of the mindset of this fat burning zone. The fat burning zones in between 120 beats and 140 beats, right? Dude, that does not exist. That's not a fucking thing where your body's just like, oh, here, I'm going to burn fat. Nope, here, I'm going to burn fucking glycogen. Dude, when you're bodybuilding, when you're in prep or you're cutting, you're in a fat loss phase, your glycogen is going to be depleted anyways. And if you're doing fasted cardio, you are literally waking up in a completely depleted state and you are going out and doing cardio. What in the fuck do you think the fat burning zone is? Everything you're doing is a fat burning zone. You are already depleted. Where's your body pulling energy from? It can't pull much from amino acids. It knows it has a hard ass training session later. And especially if you're enhanced, you have something preserving those amino acids from being utilized. It can't really pull from glycogen. Holy shit, your glycogen source can only get so low. They're not going to zero unless, you know, even, even when if you use something like DMP, which attacks those glycogen stores and pulls them down really, 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 really low because it's an uncoupler. T3 is, is, is an uncoupler as well. It attacks a lot of glycogen stores. Using those, you're still not going to zero. Your body's going to, you know, tap out around 15, 25%. Um, you're, you're like 15, 25% full in those glycogen source. And it's going to be like, well, I have way more fatty acids than I have glycogen. Your body's a pretty fucking intelligent being. It's not just like, you, you think we evolved over millions of years by being in this fat burning zone of 120 fucking beats per minute. <laughs> you think when you're running from a saber tooth tiger trying to kill you and your family that they're worried about a fat burning zone no. versus a glycolytic zone? <laughs> no. They're trying to have a body that gets away from the tiger. Trying to survive. And the faster you sprint and the the further you go, and it's actually not not too unrelevant because when we were in that state of evolution, their glycogen stores weren't very fucking full. Mm -mm. Like, what were they utilizing? Like, they were were living like athletes. Like, they were hunting and killing with their hands, Mm -hmm. right? And there was no process. There was no process. Like there was like, they had to do it all themselves. (coughs) Like people, people forget how convenient things are now versus where we came from. But understanding evolution, biological evolution is a monstrous part of understanding physiology. Just understand where you came from. Mm -hmm. Like you go do your fasted fucking cardio and you take your Yohimbine, take your, your, acetyl-L-carnitine, you know, you take your T3 if you're on T3, you're saturated with DMP if you're using DMP, um, if you're utilizing clenbuterol, beta-2 agonists, like, you know, you take that fasted, whatever. Don't ever take DMP fasted, by the way. But you're utilizing these things, and you're going out, and your body's running on E with glycogen. It's not going to favor glycogen over fatty acid. I mean, Fuck the thinking that it is. And there's so many people that think it is. It's just so mind blowing to how lost we are in understanding physiology and biological evolution. Mm-hmm. Like the body's so much fucking smarter than people give it credit for. And people were like, there's no difference between fasted cardio and fed cardio. Oh my God. I mean, there couldn't be a bigger difference. All it is is just convenience. Everybody just so it is. forgets where we came from. Exactly. Yeah. It, it, it truly is. And it's like, oh, you know. I'll skip fast today. I'll just do a post-workout. You're Mm -hmm. missing out on a massive. Mm -hmm. You do a post-workout, you know, you have your intra-carbs, you have a lot of food in for the day, XYZ, stuff like that. 
I mean, yeah, workouts are very depleting, but shit, you're not near as depleted as when you wake up with no food for what, 10 hours, 11 hours, whatever it might be. You're not even close to that depleted. And, you know, also post-workout is kind of the most catabolic state you can be in because your muscle protein breakdown is happening at such a high clip, right? Like the difference between fasted and fed cardio are so fucking immense. I can't believe anyone ever even tries to argue otherwise. But it just shows a complete lack of education and understanding because research says, like research doesn't actually, there's never been research done on elite level bodybuilders, fasted versus fed cardio in an actual controlled environment. Mm -hmm. Like your research has taken 30% body fat Nancy and 22% body fat Chuck does not apply to me. Mm -hmm. So it's not a real, that's not real anecdote that we can pull from, right? So get out of the fat burning zone mindset. Our bodies are highly adaptable. And especially if you're someone who's a competitor, you've kind of changed the engineering for your body to kind of be completely focused on performance. Things like nutrient partitioning, digestibility of foods, you know, your stress mitigation, um, all of these items, your, your, your body composition, your lean body mass to fatty body mass, all of these things you've manipulated and engineered your body into being a machine. So allow it to be a fucking machine, right? Like use it as such. You're not going to drive a fucking a BMW M package like you are a fucking Prius, right? Nope. Like you buy the M package because you want a fucking race car. You buy a Prius because you want efficiency. Bodybuilding is like the M package. It's not like the Prius. You can achieve much more with less. In my notes, I said achieve less with more. That's about where I'm at in life right now. And you can achieve more with less. Like I said, I'm on four times 30. My clients, traditionally, I say this today after posting, Mike is doing a shit ton of cardio. Um, But he's not able to do exactly the way we want it done. So that's why we had to break it up. My clients do less cardio than other people. That's why their training performance is so, you know, high. That's why we don't lose a lot of muscle tissue. That's why we don't have these terrible rebound periods. There's also a profound difference. I mean, this again, monster, monster. I mean, a 20, 30% difference between fasted cardio versus fed cardio. If a client's able to fast the cardio, their fat loss results are going to happen much, much, much exponentially quicker than people who aren't able to. That's because I'm able to manipulate, you know, I'm able to understand things like you and being like Alcar, like how hydration works in the morning, manipulating, you know, your stress response, your blood glucose, heart rate, all those things. Like these are all massive variables. The need paid attention to understand how to, you know, how to essentially tinker this into the perfect mechanism for the machine that's your body to work, right? I can always tell it's being in the cardio logbook because all things equal, we don't need to change cardio protocols as much. So, you know, there's there's a few clients I have right now in prep that, man, we've hardly changed cardio at all. And every single week they're beating that cardio logbook. They're forcing their body to perform at this ridiculous level, but they're forcing it to get there faster, 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 faster. It's forcing a massive adaptation response, mm-hmm. right? Shorter but more intense bouts of cardio are going to be greater for stress response and recovery than spending a prolonged amount of time marathoning on a piece of cardio equipment. If you can get the same out of 30 minutes, say you can't two hours, why would you not do the 30 minutes? Massive stress response difference there. Your immune system is constantly trying to keep up with all the stressors you're putting on it, trying to recover the body, and cardio is a stressor. 
Two hours of cardio is a massive stressor. 30 minutes of intense cardio is a massive stressor. But the two hours of cardio where your body's turning over oxygen, your body's pumping blood, nutrients that is trying to find all that stuff through, you know, through your body, trying to keep it to continue to perform, is much, 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 much more stressful on the body than 30 minutes cardio is. So if you can achieve more with less, why would you not do it? All you're doing is helping your performance, you're helping your recoverability, and you're helping your overall systemic stress and inflammation. The goal of intent-based cardio is how hard can you go and how consistent can you keep the pace? It's not an all-out sprint. It's simply doing cardio like an athlete, right? So I would say this is like a 400-meter dash. That's how cardio should be in coming from someone who was a 400 meter runner. That's why I think cardio is very, um, or it's like a wrestling match, you know, like in a wrestling match, you don't just right when the fucking bell ring, you don't just go nuts or a UFC fight. You don't just go nuts. Mm -hmm. There has to be an element of pacing, right? Right. Because you have to make it the full distance. Mm -hmm. That's kind of how I want your cardio to be. It's more moderate intensity, steady state, but I also like hate putting a label on it because the reality is how fast, how hard can you go? Mm -hmm. Like how hard can you make it for yourself? Like when you get done, when I get done doing cardio out there in that garage, I am completely drenched in sweat. I am breathing. Like my oxygen turnover is ridiculously high. And my clients who are achieving the most with the less, they're in the exact same place. Okay. It's just simply doing cardio like an athlete. Now, I promise we talk about high intensity interval training. I'm just not a huge fan of it because if you're doing proper hits, like proper hit is like Tabata style. Um, I believe Tabata was the name of a Japanese researcher who kind of came up with this. It's 20 seconds on, 40 seconds off, and the resistance should be pretty high. So, like, 20 seconds of an all-out bout, like... I used to do that with, like, treadmill sprints. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's brutal. Yeah, I used to put on, like, 13 miles an hour. Yeah. And do it, you know, you for 20 go. seconds. And, and then take 40 seconds 40 rest. Seconds. Yeah. For 10 minutes. Yeah. So that's very standard traditional Tabata. <laughs> if you set up a hit protocol and you do 20 on 40 off by 10 minutes, that's really good. So I like Tabata done on a spin bike just because, you know, the reality is when you're like a muscular individual, like a majority of my clients are, like sprinting's probably not the best route because we don't run. Like, this is way before I got into bodybuilding. Yeah, yeah, way before you got into bodybuilding. Mm -hmm. So I, I like doing a spin bike. And again, you know, everything's intent-based, including this Tabata, um, the scientists, the interval training. Like, I'm going to crank that. I want that resistance cranked up on that spin bike if you're doing hit. Man, like, you finish that, and that feels like a leg day. Oh, yeah. It really does. It's brutal. So the recovery, the, the, the stress-induced recovery from that is very, very, very intense. I believe that level of intensity is going to pull away from your training session. I do. Um, I also believe cardio like that to be done properly should be fed. You're not, you're not going to do hit fasted, right? Like that would be brutal to do fasted. You'd probably get really lightheaded, probably get really shaky. You're probably not hydrated enough fasted. So something like that needs to be hit because that's more anaerobic than aerobic, um, style of conditioning anyways. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's going to pull away from our recovery. It's going to pull away from our performance. Um, it's going to add to our stress and inflammation. So, I'm not a massive fan of it, but if you're someone that you maybe only train legs once every like 10 days or so, and yes, there's people like that. Like I, I do that. I train legs about once every eight to 10 days, just whenever I feel fully recovered. Um, hit can work in there. It can, but I would just pay really close attention to all of your biofeedback variables. 
like your heart rate, your blood glucose, how your sleep is, your daily stress, um, how quickly your hunger returns after the hit session because that's very sympathetically driven. I'd pay attention to that training progress. And if you can progress and keep your biofeedback fantastic, then do by all means do it once or twice a week. Any hit that's over like 12 minutes at a time, for some people I could argue 15, and any hit that's done more than two times a week, that's, that's, I mean, quite frank, that's, that's stupid. It's just a complete lack of understanding of, of physiological functioning. Proper hit, if you're doing it the right way, two days, 10 minutes, 20 seconds on, 40 seconds off, that's where you want to be. And like that's that's where that's where the best progress and and everything's gonna happen. If you can do hit three, four, or five days a week, you're not doing hit once a week. Like that's just the reality of it. And you're driving your stress really high. There, there's there's better ways to go about it because you're setting yourself up for a really, really, really tough post competition uh, phase, a really tough stress phase, um, really tough thyroid, really overall endocrine system functioning. Hit effects much, much, much greater than all other types of cardio. Um, so just kind of something to keep in mind. Episode 173, intent-based cardio. I'll see you next time.